Hello, and welcome to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. I am your host, R.T. Fleming. I'm here to help you find your next digital pick from the golden age to the present. Since I was a kid, I have been reading comics, and I have never lost my love of comic books. I try to pass on that excitement for comic books to others, always looking for that next fantastic read, or discovering an old favorite. Welcome back to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. Today, I am welcoming Blake McCarthy. I'm doing another Kickstarter campaign. I've run uh, several interviews with previous guests in the past six weeks. His new comic called Territory Number 3 just launched on Kickstarter. The information will be on the show notes. So, Blake, when I asked my guests the first time around when they're on the podcast, how did they get the origin into comic books? What was their origin story? What got you into comic books for life? Definitely. Well, one, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, No problem. Appreciate you having me on the show. And then as far as kind of how I got into it, my dad was a big comic book fan, uh, mostly Marvel. And so when I was a kid, we, I used to go to the comic book store with him, me and my brother and him would all go and got into Spider-Man pretty heavy and then kind of X-Men and started out with a lot of Marvel stuff. And then uh, as I grew, kind of started to branch out a little bit, but it was mostly Marvel when I was a kid. And then I actually kind of re-got into them with my own kids. Um, When they got old enough to kind of get into superheroes, I kind of started getting back into comic books and that's when I really expanded in, into kind of indie and uh, more the the wider comic book scene. Before we get into actually talking about territory, tell a little bit of background about yourself and why you decided to write comic books. Because there's a thousand writers out there trying to do a thousand different comic book series. How did you decide, hey, I want to get into comic books? There's actually um, kind of like I just said, when I got back into it with my kids. So back about 10 years ago when I was in college, I was still, I kind of messed around with screenwriting a little bit. Like I thought I wanted to write, but I just didn't really know what I wanted to write or how I wanted to write it. Um, and so then I kind of put it away for a little bit after college. But once I got back into comic books with my kids, some of the stories that I'd had and been kind of mulling over in my head, territory being one of them, kind of realized like, hey, comic books are the perfect medium for a lot of these. You know, I grew up reading them and I think that it was always something that was kind of there. I just never realized it. And uh, so once I kind of started getting back into comics, and especially once I started getting more into indie books and, and seeing the variety of books that were out there and, you know, the different the different types and the different um, stories that were being told. And I, I realized that a lot of my ideas could fit pretty well in a comic book and it was kind of an ideal medium for a lot of the stories I wanted to tell. So it was just kind of one of those things where I finally realized, hey, these, you know, this is a great storytelling medium and, you know, I just need to learn how to do it. How much time between issues of territory have you done? When did one come out? Number two, what's the time span? Um, so the first one came out about a year ago, last May. So it's, you know, about one every six-ish months um, so far. Okay. So I actually, so it's going to be a five issue series, uh, mini series. And I'd originally wrote, written it as six, but then realized once I had an editor on board that five was a lot smoother and told the story in a lot better way. So I've actually written all the issues, but the six months is good as far as being able to kind of, you know, financially build up and do it without it having too big an impact personally. And that gives uh, the creative team enough time to, you know, put the book together without feeling stressed by deadlines or schedules or anything like that. So that, you know, at this, this is a, a passion project. I'm not trying to, you know, rush it out and rush on to something else. I want to do it as well as possible. So it seems like about six months is kind of the time frame that it's, it's been 
has worked well for everyone. Now, the tagline is a post-apocalyptic KU series in a far distant Pacific Northwest after an unknown man-made disaster. I mean, you could really have set this anytime you could actually gone into the past. Why did you go to the future for the setting? Was there a particular reason? Yeah. Um, so one thing that I'm just I'm kind of, so there were a variety of reasons. The, one of the primary being one thing that uh, interests me that I kind of try to do is is I'm very interested in conservation and looking at the impact that a man has on the natural world. And so that was one of the messages I wanted to get across with territories that this is a post-nuclear, post-man-made apocalypse um, that these people are living in now. And the kaiju, which are called behemoths in the book, are kind of nature's way of fighting back and, and restoring the balance. And so having that kind of, you know, man versus nature, the post-apocalypse, uh, post-apocalyptic setting seemed perfect for that. And then also just with kind of some of the themes of the book, as far as like religion and faith and, and how we deal with changes to, to belief and things like that, um, setting up the religion, I wanted to kind of base it off somewhat off of current religions, but also kind of create some new ones for the book and so setting it in the future you know i could use aspects of of current events current religions current beliefs but kind of tweak them a little bit you know to fit the story and to fit this future world there's a lot of post-apocalyptic comics out there they're all over the place it's kind of a common genre now what would set yours i know you kind of answered it but i want to give you a little more chance to get a little more in-depth what sets your book off from the other apocalyptic type comic books that are out there. Definitely. So I think there's kind of two big things. I think the first one is it having the kaiju in it. Surprisingly, I haven't found a lot of post-apocalyptic kaiju media. It no, that's me, that, you're right. And it seems to me like those two are kind of a perfect fit. Like thematically, you know, you have these big monsters that destroy everything and then you have this kind of, you know, destroyed world. So you think thematically it would kind of fit and you'd see that a lot, but I actually haven't seen a lot of it. And so I think it's a cool blend of genres there that really makes sense and they really play off each other well. And then the other thing is really what I was alluding to before. Uh, so kind of the core of this story, aside from the kaiju element, is kind of that it's uh, it's kind of an examination of faith and belief and, and how you know we're taught faith and belief, how those beliefs change when um, we grow older, when we experience more events, when something happens to what we believe to you know kind of disillusion us to some of our beliefs. And so using that post-apocalyptic setting to really kind of deal with faith and everything is another you know, kind of combination that I think isn't as common out there. Are there main characters that run through the narrative, all the five issues? Yes. So the main character, Alkia, she's a, so she's kind of a young huntress. You know, she's a, a girl on the verge of becoming a woman. I'm thinking, you know, kind of mid to late teens kind of thing. Um, so her, she's the main character and um, the story follows kind of her growth. You know, she's becoming independent. She's forming her own beliefs, but at the same time, she's still young enough that she's reliant on her parents and the tribe around her. And, you know, she's still very influenced by what other people believe, but at the same time, she's kind of growing into her own. And so, this story is really about her journey. Um, and it, you know, it kind of follows the kaiju. The kaiju kind of guide her journey because in this world, the kaiju's actions affect all of the humans as well. So you have these kaiju doing things and the humans kind of react to what they're doing. And so her journey is kind of her growth and her development. And then there's a variety of other characters, you know, kind of run throughout. And then some that, you know, get introduced earlier and don't have as big part later or get introduced. Um, issue three actually kind of introduces a, a new set of characters um, that we'll, we'll see a lot throughout the rest of the book. 
Now you chose, which I'm good, glad you chose a female for a main character. Why not choose a guy? Definitely. Um, one of the things that kind of inspired me to use a female character as a lead. Um, one, there's a, a quote by George R.R. R. Martin, and I'm not sure. I, I don't know if this is his exact wording, but someone asked him, you know, you write a lot of really strong, interesting female characters. How do you do it? And he said, I just write women as people. And it's honestly like that simple. But at the same time, I think, and that's why I specified her age as well, kind of that mid to late teens, because that's for both men and women, that's kind of an interesting age where you're, you know, on the edge of not being a child anymore and becoming an adult, but you're still young enough that you're very influenced by other adults. And, you know, you're not, you're not fully independent yet. And I think that goes kind of doubly so for women in, in society, a lot of times, you know, they're, it's still, women aren't always, it's looked at as harder for women to be independent sometimes in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, that's a belief that's changing, but is still prevalent in a lot of media, a lot of, you know, societies and cultural beliefs. And so I think just, again, you know, this is a story about her independence, her growth, her changing beliefs. You know, she starts the book believing one thing very strongly. And then over the course of all the issues, you know, those beliefs are challenged and she has to adapt and she has to become her own person. She can no longer just follow in the beliefs of of others. And I think that's especially for, especially um, important and powerful in female characters, because a lot of times, you know, it's still, there's this kind of cultural and historical norm that women are just kind of going to follow in the footsteps of, you know, whoever their influences and especially male influences. And so this is kind of her breaking away from that and showing her independence. And so I could write her as a, you know, a strong independent character, but also still show, you know, the vulnerability of being young and unsure and, you know, having your beliefs challenged and having it make you, you know, question yourself. And so she was just really a fun character to write because it allowed me to express all of that. So you're doing a Kickstarter right now. This is your third one. Why did you go down the route of a Kickstarter and not like a small press publisher like SourcePoint Media or something like that? Definitely. So, I mean, the biggest thing, so Territory as a series is my first really creative thing ever and and comic thing ever. And so I just coming out, especially last year when I did the first one, I had literally no audience, no connections, no anything. Um, You know, I was a comic book fan, but really that was it. And so I needed to kind of build an audience and just kind of prove to myself that I could do it and also find a way to make it financially viable. You know, it's hard because I, I paid all the, the rest of the creative team up front because, again, I didn't want, uh, you know, finances or time or anything to be a stress. I just really wanted this to be as, as good as it could be. Um, so, but then to make it financially viable for myself, I just needed to at least get some of that money back. And Kickstarter offers first that through the crowdfunding platform. And then it's also like the Kickstarter community it, it, inside of the indie comics community is was really welcoming very helpful very encouraging to me like i met i've met a lot of other great creators who have helped me with the book um with the kickstarters with the marketing with helping territory grow and so i do plan on eventually trying to get a kickstore excuse me territory um with a, a some sort of indie publisher. But at this point, like the Kickstarter community has been good to me. I want to keep giving back to that community. And this way I can make sure I can get all five issues done. I can tell the full story and then, you know, take that full story to a uh, publisher and, and have them, you know, just see that it's all ready to go. Now you've got an artist, Chris Sassman, but he's from South Africa. How did you manage to snag this artist? Yes. Um, so I actually, on Reddit, there's a, a subreddit called Comic Book Collabs. And, and that's been a great resource for me. You know, again, a lot of helpful people, but then a lot of artists and, and 
people of various roles kind of post their work there, advertise themselves there. And I just saw a couple of his posts and his art just blew me away. You know, he's an incredibly talented artist and, and it's crazy to me because, you know, talking to him, he's only been doing this for a couple of years. I was going to ask you that, Alice. Yeah. How long has he been, you know, drawing stuff? And you just said just a couple of years. He's, he's fantastic in his art. Absolutely. I mean, that's, so I'm pretty sure it's under five years of doing this for him and uh, which yeah for the level of detail the professionalism the and and also one thing that really impresses me about him and one thing i really love working with him is he's not only a great artist he's a great visual storyteller not only can he draw amazing things but he draws you know he understands panel layouts and how to tell the story in a way that that flows that makes it interesting that makes it exciting that keeps the reader engaged so i found him through this subreddit um just reached out to him and fortunately uh, so this is kind of was kind of his first big project as well. He'd done, you know, some other smaller ones. Um, and so, but fortunately, we just, we really hit it off. Uh, we communicated really well. And like I said, he's been extremely collaborative, which has been awesome. We talk a lot, you know, I'll give him the script and, and kind of have an idea of how something uh, should look, but he'll come back and be like, you know, what if we tweak this panel or what's, you know, what's really going on here? What are you trying to express and give me ideas on how to visually tell the story better and that collaboration and teamwork and along with just his immense talent and, you know, storytelling ability. He's been, he's been amazing to work with. And I feel very lucky. I found him when I did. Another aspect that doesn't really get talked about much are the colorists. Um, they're often overlooked in the creation of a comic book. They're almost like an afterthought. I was going through the comic book and I thought the color, he, the chill was for coloring. It was actually adding to the story's atmosphere. It actually really enhanced it. And you could have gone a black and white route, which a lot of people did. Why did you choose to go color versus black and white? When I had pictured this in my head, I'd always kind of pictured it with color. Um, like I, I, view this comic as kind of a cinematic comic. You know, it's got the big kaiju action. You've got these really big, impressive pages and big, impressive, you know, panels and action. And the, the story is supposed to feel big. And like you said, the color adds to that. It adds another layer of depth. It adds more to that world and it adds more, you know, it kind of sucks people in more. Um, so I think, you know, one thing as I was kind of starting out really looking into how to do this and all the different steps of making a comic book, a lot of advice I read was kind of two things. Don't skimp on a colorist and don't skimp on a letterer. And having made these now, I can agree that both of those are absolutely important because, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, if I have great art, you know, my book will be good. But that's not the only visual aspect of a comic book. There's there's so many aspects that go into it that, you know, you really need them all to be at that top level and adding depth and adding, you know, kind of that wow factor to get it out of you know, especially consistently to get it from page to page to page so that the book doesn't lose steam. And Itch San uh, and Sorry the Colorist is is amazing. And he and Chris had actually worked together. So when I talked to Chris, he actually recommended him. So they already had a great working relationship, which helped. And then Itch San is another guy that's just super easy to work with, very, you know, helpful, collaborative, wants to, you know, talk about it, make sure that he's understanding what's going on, puts his ideas out there. So again, just very lucky that I found him too. And your colors is from Indonesia. Indonesia. Did you hook get hooked up with him through Chris then? Yeah. So Chris, Chris had actually worked with him previously. And so Chris recommended him to me, which was great because I actually had no idea who I was going to use as a colorist. That's one thing I still, you know, I, I know when I'm reading a book with good color, but it's hard for me to like look at colors portfolios and differentiate what makes good color. And so Chris knowing him and then seeing his, you know, being able to see his work when we were developing the story definitely made me sure that he was the right choice and that, you know, he was a great addition to the team. 
And you did talk about the letter, and you're right, the letter is high class. Give, give us a little background on the letter, because I don't know much about this letter. And I know in the pre-screening questions that I gave you, I didn't mention the letter. But tell me about Marco, where he's from, what he's done. Mm-hmm. So Marco is actually from Italy as well. So this is a totally, you know, kind of international book, which I think is really cool. That wasn't intentional. You know, I wasn't trying to find people from other countries necessarily, but I think it just shows, like you said, one of the great things about being a creative right now is with the power of the internet, you know, you can connect to other creative people no matter where they are in the world. And there are so many creative people all around the world, you know, that we would have never had access to before. But now it's like you can find these people who are doing amazing work, who live you know, everywhere, but are still able to work together. And uh, so Marco has been great. Marco Delaverde is a colorist and he's, or excuse me, the letterer. And he's been great for a couple of reasons. One, his lettering is amazing. His design sense is amazing. You know, he really is able to bring the emotions and the sound effects and the world to life with his lettering. But then the other thing is he's kind of the veteran of our group. He's been doing this for over 20 years. He's worked wow. with Image and Boom and Marvel and the big publishers. And so he knows all of the kind of background technical behind the scenes stuff that us newer creatives didn't like he's you know so he's been incredibly helpful and an invaluable resource as far as you know like file types sizing getting things ready for print getting things ready for web you know recognizing problems before they could be an issue and fixing them ahead of time and so not only is he an amazing letter which he is but he's also been kind of a mentor for the team yeah and uh, really i got good. Oh, I, yeah, I feel incredibly lucky to have him as well. And, and to have that, you know, not only that great letter and design sense, because that, again, elevates the book, but then to have somebody who can really help us avoid some of the pitfalls that I think a lot of new creators fall into, just because there's so much that you really can't know until you do it and make a mistake. And so, but he's done it. And so he's able to help us catch those ahead of time. You, you even chipped in for a outside editor. Why did you choose Nicole? And give us a little bit of information about Nicole, but why did you choose an outside editor instead of just being the editor-in-chief yourself? Definitely. So Nicole, the Andrea, and so actually for the first issue, I didn't have an editor. Uh, so with the second issue, um, so I liked the way the first issue turned out, but I still you know, I just still felt it could be better. And it was, again, something that, you know, the more I looked into it, everyone I read that had used an editor or everyone I talked to that used an editor was like, do it. It's worth it. So I I talked to her. She's very knowledgeable. She's created her own book. She's also edited a variety of books. And uh, so I, you know, I talked to her and I can definitely say that that was one of the smartest things I did. I really wish I had done it from the start and used her for issue one. And I think especially as a new creator, but I'm sure for all creators and especially writers, it's hard, especially like territory is a story I've had in my head for years. And so in my head, I have this world very clearly. And so when I'm writing, sometimes I tend to overwrite or I write something that in my head makes sense because I've, I've seen this world so clearly in my head for so long, I've really built it up. But having that outside perspective to, to really help you kind of hone it in, be like, what's the story you're going to tell? You know, like, don't just tell us about this cool world and this cool idea you have. Really focus on making that story interesting and incorporating that world into the story. And she's just been so good at, you know, making it so that it's not just an interesting comic, but a good story as well. And, and one that flows well, is exciting, is interesting to read. And, you know, I think the reading experience from issue one to issue two is a lot better thanks to her involvement and thanks to her ability to, you know, recognize what story are important and really help guide the flow of it. This is the first podcast where I've had creators on where I've actually gone through the whole roster just about of everybody involved. I don't usually do that because of time restraints, but this time around, 
you actually showed how it, it made the book a better experience. And it really shows your professionalism and dedication and making this right and be a good comic, not just throwing it out there. You really, you really did your homework. One more thing. Who's this Shane McCarthy underneath there for design? <laughs> so Shane is actually my brother. Um, he does graphic design. Uh, he does it somewhat professionally. It's not his only job, but he does do professional work. And, you know, so again, we grew up reading comic books together. We're still very close. We're, you know, we're, we're into a lot of the same stuff. And so when I told him I was making this comic book, he offered to get involved. I was extremely grateful. And so he handled like the, um, the inside cover, the back cover, the thank you pages, basically all the other interior pages that weren't covered, the, the very back cover of the book. And he has just a great um, design sense as far as, you know, he's not necessarily an artist that can create new images, but as far as manipulating existing images, coming up with good design, you know, very good. He makes, so he's in a band, he does band posters, stuff like that. And so having him to, you know, make the inside cover and just all those other little details, again, kind of took this book from looking like a, you know, an indie kind of homemade book, which it is. But when you add all these extra details to it, then that really elevates it to, to looking and feeling like something more professional, which, you know, enhances the reader's experience. And that was the thing, you know, I, this, like I said, this is a passion project. So I wanted to go all out and making the reader's experience as positive as possible. He is very, you know, like, fortunately we, we like, you know, like I said, we work to, we get along really well. We hang out all the time and this was something he wanted to do. And I was more than happy to have him do it. How was it working with all these people all around the world? I mean, was it a slow process? Or did you guys gel really quick? And is it something you would probably do in the future? Yeah. Um, so again, fortunately with this team, we have gelled really well. You know, I mean, it's definitely like usually somebody's either talking early in the morning or late at night just because with time differences. And, you know, it's it's usually not all of us on like a call at once because it's, it's too hard to coordinate all that. Right. But like I've had, you know, I've spoke with Chris, I've spoke with Itch and I've spoke with Marco, you know, they've spoke with each other at various points. And I think, I think the big thing is regardless of where you know, everybody on a team is from, as long as everyone's got the same goal and there's, you know, there's no egos, people are just trying to, you know, make the book the best it can be. And that's, that takes, you know, a lack of ego from everyone. So, you know, like I try to, you know, and Chris is so great about putting his input and ideas for how to make a page better when I give him the script. And then it's sand, you know, is really good about, you know, adding kind of those details to Marco, you know, it was really good about uh, helping, you know, move the lettering around or something to make the panels flow better and everything. So I think just that lack of ego and that collaboration, um, you know, people being willing to listen to what the other one has to say to, you know, recognize that everyone's, you know, got some ideas to make this better. And if we all listen and let, you know, especially people who um, are kind of specialized in different aspects of the creative process, like let them kind of, you know, have their input on that aspect of it. And it, it's worked out really well so far. I would definitely, I would love to work with this team again, it, you know, and it's just shown me that, yeah, no matter where other creators are, there's great creators all over the world. So territory is going to be five issues. Does it have a definite endpoint, or could it be sequels down the road? Um, so this arc has a pretty definitive endpoint. I think it could have a sequel later on, but I, that that's not really something I'm thinking about right now. First arc has a pretty, it has a very contained story, and the end is a very definitive end. And I, I 
kind of wanted it to be that way, especially for my first project. That way I could tell the whole story, get the whole story made. And so people could, you know, really see the whole thing from start to finish. And it's not something where, you know, I have this grand 30, 30 issue plan, but I lose steam halfway through or, you know, people get picked up by other companies or whatever it is. So the five issues is definitely the first arc. I have more ideas for other stories in this world necessarily than like a direct sequel, but I'd actually like to do some other stories, some other kind of worlds, so to speak, uh, after Territory before or if I were to ever return to this one. So you think, ter- how long before you think Territory is going to wrap up and how soon before you might start another project outside of Territory? So ideally, issue five, which will be the last issue, will happen kind of early 2023, like spring 2023-ish. At that point, I will um, be trying to get it published and, um, you know, be looking at putting like a trade together for people that, you know, prefer trades over single issues, stuff like that. So ideally, kind of, you know, next year is when everything with territory will wrap up. And then as far as my next project, I have an idea for one, but it's all in very rough stages right now. And I'm I've been intentionally not really working on it because I've been wanting to put everything I have in territory and make territory the best it can be. But I probably won't even really start on anything else until next year. So I'd say late next year or early 2024 is probably realistically the earliest I would be putting out a new project. Blake, before we wrap this fantastic interview up, this was a great interview. Thank you for joining me. Before we wrap things up, do you have any final words? One, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. You know, it's always interesting to uh, hear other people's perspective on it. And two, I just, you know, I'm, I hope that um, people who have read the book enjoy it. People who are curious, I really do think it's uh, something kind of unique out there. You know, it's it's got a couple genres that are gaining in popularity, but I think it does them in a unique way. And um, and this creative team, I think there's a lot of talent on this creative team that, you know, five, 10 years from now, people will be seeing names of, you know, in, in bigger books. And so I think this is kind of a cool chance to see like the start of some really talented, interesting creators, you know, kind of before they hit it big. Blake, you have a Kickstarter again for territory number three, the information be in the show notes. Thank you for joining me for the podcast. I definitely would love to have you again as a guest. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ronald. I would love to come back and I appreciate it. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you at fantasticcomicfan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and I hope to see you next time.